Hey, welcome to the She Heard podcast hosted by author and speaker Laurie Green Westlake. On the She Heard podcast, we cover everything from a woman's role in the church to deep and unexpected dives into your favorite Bible heroes. Laurie's passion is to equip women with courage, boldness, and bravery through biblical study and inspiring narrative. Be sure to check out lauriegreenwestlake.com for additional resources. Welcome to the show. Hey, Laurie here, and welcome to today's podcast. I want to tell you about something very exciting that is coming up on the radar June 3rd. That's June 3rd, three months from this month. We are going to be hosting a women's event, an all-day women's event from 8.30 to 3.30 or 4. And we are going to have four or five speakers, different people giving devotionals, discussion time, prayer time, and amazing fellowship with one another. This is going to be held at Vertical Church in Albuquerque. So you can get on their website, look it up. They are actually offering up their facilities to us, which is the biggest blessing ever. Biggest blessing. It is not necessarily their church's retreat. It is a take the hill, brave enough, brave girl, she heard all those wonderful titles that we have hanging around out there on social media. But it's our own event, and it will be multi-denominational, women from all different kinds of backgrounds coming together to worship the Lord and to learn and to grow, because you know what? We need to be gathering together, just as the Word said. We need to be encouraging each other, coming together discussing hard things and praying for one another one another so i look forward to seeing you there watch for registration pages on my facebook page at um, author laurie green westlake and also in our private take the hill private group you can subscribe to or actually apply to join our private group membership or Go to my website at www.lauriegreenwestlake.com and go to live events and there will be a link to the registration page. So I just want to thank you in advance for considering that. There will be a small cost. I think we're looking at about $50 a person to cover strictly our lunches, snacks, and uh, you know, things that we need, journals and things that we need at the conference for you to be able to take notes and feel like you're having a wonderful experience. So that's it. So tonight I am coming to you to talk about, uh, I'm going to call this a Wednesday short because I want to talk about something that kind of hit me in the face today is uh, it, it's probably something that you've all been hearing about. The Asbury Revival. Yes, I'm going to talk about that again. The Asbury Revival has winded down and the officials or leadership there in the Asbury University have called it to a closed and closed it now to students. I'm not sure and I don't want to speak out of turn 
about the timing if students are still in the chapel going for long hours at a time or 24 hours. But I do know that they officially stopped inviting the public to join. We also know that there have been outbreaks of what is being called revivals across the country at different universities, and not all of them Christian universities, and and in just some general ministries, I believe. As a matter of fact, the ministry that I work for is in prayer. We've opened up a 40-day prayer room to just pray about where God is leading us, the things that are going on, how we can be more effective, how we can serve Him better, how we can represent Christ better, and how we can get His Word to those who do not have it. Can you imagine being without God's Word? I That's something I have to stop and think about because we are a ministry that shares the Word with people groups that don't have it yet. So that is something pretty much daily that I have not only the privilege of watching what God is doing, but also being aware of the need. But back to these revivals. So today, it was kind of by accident that I was following a lead from our PR person at the ministry and ended up reading a couple of articles really quick about are from, I should say, pastors or naysayers that were um, indicating that the Asbury revival had all been pre-planned, actually funded, and was supporting and had on the stage LB, um, what is it, LB, I don't even know the acronym, but the LBQTVBD, (laughs) forgive me for really screwing that up. Um, uh, agenda from the stage. And I just don't know if that's true. I wasn't there. I can't speak to it. I did see some live stream coming through and heard people worshiping the Lord with all their hearts and arms raised. And I, I wept. I wept when I saw it. But in these articles, I was just thinking um, how sad it is and how like us it is, how human nature is for someone to call something out and say foul. And it feels like since COVID and everything that happened there, that we've really, even as, as Christians, we've been split in the way that we believe and we're following the world in the way that we respond to someone who doesn't believe like we do. We're starting to look more like the world than Christ. And it was so funny. I came home tonight, and you all know that um, my daughter is very involved in this in helping me with this podcast and some of the other things that I'm doing. And for right now, temporarily, she's camped out at our house while she's in transition. But she said to me, Haters are always going to hate. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's true. But is that a reason for me not to try to speak truth or for me not to try to bring the Word of God into a situation? I tend to play the devil's advocate. If if you and I were sitting around a table and you, you told me something that you felt very passionately about and it was something that maybe had two, two different viewpoints— Probably just because I play the devil's advocate, I probably nod along with you and go, yeah, 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 Jill, I hear you, I hear you. But what about this? Just because I believe that through the wisdom that we are given by the Holy Spirit, that 
we will weigh things and we will look at them before we become dogmatic, especially about things that we may not be 100% familiar with or equipped with all the facts. So I, you know, I don't know if everything that happened on that Asbury campus was authentic. I want to believe that it was, but here's what I where I went in scripture and here's what I think about that. Does, does it matter? Yes. Number one, it matters because Christ told us several times to be watchful for false doctrines, for things that would lead us astray. And even that there would be claims of Christ being in certain places. And he told us when they say, go over here for Christ is there, don't go, don't believe him. And so, and some people are using that in the the anti-Asbury movement to say that you don't have to go to that campus to experience Christ because God is omnipresent. We can have his revival in our hearts anywhere, anytime. And that is certainly, certainly true. But I did find myself wishing I could witness these college, this, these uh, Generation Z, Gen Zs, worshiping God. What hope that just puts in my heart to see them praying for one another. When is that bad? It, it, it's hard for me to believe that that would be wrong. But I am going to say I was not there. I was, I'm not doing an investigative report. I haven't uncovered anything. I'm just reading everything I'm taking. I'm taking from opposing viewpoints that are with different types of media and that are sharing. And that's why I think it's important that we, you and I, talk about this. We need to be discerning. We need to be very discerning and we need to be filled with the Word of God so that we can discern things that may be false or may be true. And that that comes from time in the Word and that comes from actually praying and asking for the gift of discernment and wisdom. It, James tells us if we lack wisdom to pray for it. And then not to doubt that we receive it because God does give us his good gifts. So in these days where there's a lot of wonky things coming across the airways, including Russia threatening again to annihilate the world, I I think we just need this extra dose of discernment because we're going to hear a lot of crap. from both sides of the fence or all sides, 15 different sides of the fence. And we need to be able to discern and come to conclusions with the help of the Holy Spirit on our own. So I wanted to tell you something that I've said for years now, and it's a great reminder to me, and it's a great reminder to you. But the Holy Spirit is one person, one person of the Trinity, a third of the Trinity, and the same Holy Spirit. It's just that one Holy Spirit that is speaking in your pastor, that is speaking through your favorite Bible teacher, that is speaking through me right now. That same Holy Spirit 
is in you, and he can teach and guide you just as well as he can any teacher. Teachers get it wrong. We are all humans. That's why it's very important, very important that you know the Word of God for yourself, and you're constantly searching the Scriptures. Now, I was reminded of a scripture when I was reading some of these naysayers about the Asbury experience, and I'm not here to argue that. I I think you're probably getting that point from me right now. I'm not here to argue with myself or anyone else on whether that was true or not, because I honestly think, in a way, it doesn't really matter. And I came to that conclusion because I remembered that... Paul said in Hebrews when he was in jail, do you remember the scripture? He was talking about how some people are preaching from the wrong motive. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. And then he goes on, that was 6.15, Hebrews 6.15. Then he goes on to say in verse 17, But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. As long as Christ is preached, and if he is, and this is a big question you can ask yourself when we encounter, when we encounter false religions, and we are warned over and over again by Christ 2,000 years ago. And so I say, how much more does this apply now as the days get wonkier? We are told time and again that there are going to be false messiahs, false Christ, false religions. So we have to be watchful and we have to be aware. And one of the questions you can ask yourself is this, is the message of salvation being preached? And is that message glorifying Christ as the single way to eternity, to salvation, Christ alone. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that is what we stand on. And if anything else is being preached, then you can bet that's false. Another story that came to mind I wanted to share with you tonight is or today is a story that I experienced when um, I lived in Texas and through a series of events had come to know that the Lord was leading me and a group of other women to open what we called then a crisis pregnancy center. Now, a lot of them go under the umbrella of CareNet or they're called First Look because they have sonogram machines, but it was a crisis pregnancy center where girls could come and take a pregnancy test. And then if they were pregnant, we would counsel with them. We would share the gospel. It was quite exciting times because when girls are in a situation of panic or crisis, they're open to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And we we experienced the joy of seeing a lot of young women come to Christ. And we enjoyed the privilege of seeing babies born, uh, the Father's creations coming to life. And uh, it, it was just, it was a wonderful hard time. And it was a hard time because I had three kids and had taken on a young pregnant girl from Mexico 
to live with us so she could finish school. And then she had her baby with us. And I had quit a job. I'd actually sold a business and uh, was working at the Crisis Pregnancy Center as the founding director without pay. And we'd sold our home and downsized, and but we had three kids on my husband's salary and had been working at building this crisis pregnancy for several months, and money was very tight. Also, as we were getting started, we just weren't having, in the initial months, women coming in to get pregnancy tests or to get counseling. We also had a licensed professional counselor on staff, and so that was a plus. So we we eventually were so busy, it was crazy. We we had, oh my goodness, I think in the state of Texas, the most volunteers at any crisis pregnancy center, which won me the award of Focus on the Families Texas Hero, which was an outstanding, unbelievable uh, moment for me because I don't see myself as a hero. Most of the time I see myself as a, a screw up and you probably identify that because none of us unless we're narcissistic, really see ourselves that way, but I digress. So back to the Crisis Pregnancy Center. We had this pregnant girl living with us. She's, man, I love her. She accepted Christ when she lived with us, and it was a beautiful experience at my kitchen table. My husband led her to the Lord, and fortunately today, we still, we don't keep in touch super regular, but I do hear from her, and the idea that she loves the Lord, she's still following Him, and and has a family now, actually married the father of her baby, which is was an amazing, amazing event. But in my complaining to the Lord, we were here we had this girl, and I was learning a lot about the social services system in the state of Texas, having her live with us, putting her through the systems of WIC, and just getting her on medical assistance and um getting her whatever she needed to finish school. And then when the baby was born to go to daycare, just a lot of paperwork that I learned. It was a great experience for me to be the director. But as we were just taking care of her and no other women were coming in and we had people that were funding the work of the crisis pregnancy center. Again, I wasn't drawing a salary. No one was, but we had donors who had helped us get a building, get the supplies we needed, get the licensing that we needed and open up. And one day I I was actually complaining to the Lord because, and he knows this about me. I'm very driven. I'm very goal-oriented, and I like a lot of action, and I like a lot of action fast. And if things are moving slow, I begin to go, is this what the Lord, is this what the Lord wants us to do? I'm, the, I'm that person. I will bail quick going, oh, this must not be what he wants, or otherwise he'd be blessing. And by the way, that is, that is just such a big lot, because there's so much that he has to teach us in the patience and the waiting. And it's a lesson I've had to learn over the years. I I hope I'm better. But anyway, I was telling him, I mean, I've quit my job. We've sold our house. We've moved here. We, you know, we're living on hot dogs and fish sticks. And, um, we're, you know, we'd gotten down to, we'd sold a nice car and we're driving a junker, which she, by the way, totaled when I let her borrow it to go to school in Dallas. And I just, things seemed to be, 
pointing to, we've made this big mistake about the crisis pregnancy center. And one day I was praying and just saying to the Lord, really, after all of this, you're not even going to bring women to us? And the Lord said, so what if I all did this all for her? And he said her name, and I'm going to say Nancy. I'll just call her Nancy, the girl that was living with us that was pregnant at the time. He said, what if I did this all for Nancy? And I went, what? We... (laughs) We been we got this building, we renovated it, we painted it, we've spent donors' money getting this place up and ready, buying pregnancy tests, going to conferences, learning what we're supposed to do, um, bringing on this LPC. It is all for Nancy. And he said, I'm asking you, what if it were? And I said, wow, okay, I guess... I guess that's great. And he said, it would be worth it to me. All the money, all the time, all the sweat equity, her soul is worth that to me. And at the time, I didn't understand it because at that moment I was praying that prayer, we had not led her to the Lord. We had not prayed this uh, prayer of salvation with her. and. When we did, when we gathered around the kitchen table and we did, and I watched this transformation in her body language and her face, and she, she, after she asked Jesus to become her Savior and she declared Him Lord of her life and believed in Him and His sacrificial act, she just let go of this sign. She went, man, I feel so good. That feels like I've been washed clean. And that's when my own dim light bulb lit up and I went, it's worth it. The value of one girl's soul cannot be judged on the sweat equity or mere thousands of dollars to open a crisis pregnancy center. Her soul is priceless. It's priceless. So that was my lesson. And that's kind of where... I'm trying to think of some of these outbreaks of little revivals or regenerations or Holy Spirit movements. Man, I hope they're all great because I love the idea of Christians coming together and praying together and worshiping the Lord. He says, be still and know that I am God. And I believe there are moments we are to just stand and be in awe of Him. And some of the naysayers are saying, if there's not an outpouring of work from this experience. If people are not being transformed to go out and share the gospel, then it it couldn't be a true experience. I I don't believe that that is necessarily a marker for whether an experience is true or not. But I do also, as most of you know, believe that all of God's people are to be building a kingdom and that works, I mean, faith without works is dead. And so we are all called to do something, but in the way of building kingdoms, but or his kingdom. But there are certainly times of sitting down and accepting the spirit and basking in God's glory. 
how could anyone say that's wrong? But again, okay, I do not have the facts. I'm reading articles. I'm like a five times removed person from the event. But I do know this. I don't want to be swayed one way or the other without the Word of God. So I think the thing we need to really focus on, like I said, is that one person, if one person comes to know Christ as a result of great efforts on our part, then we should never say it hasn't been worth it. It is worth it. There is nothing that no price, no amount of work that can be put on a person's soul. And and that is where we're supposed to be doctrinally. And I think the next thing we have to remember is that Jesus said, he said this, it's quoted in Luke 18, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I think that's the big question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And what is faith? And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Your faith, If he comes and he finds faith in you, that faith, until the moment he arrived, has been evidence to those around you and those in the spirit world watching. Your faith has been evidence of the things hoped for, for the glory of the Lord, for an eternal life with him. Woo! I said this was going to be a short, and I just looked at the clock, and I've gone... (laughs) 24 minutes. So that's it for tonight. Please be looking for our registration page for the event I told you about. It's going to be called Brave Enough. Brave Enough to serve, to lead, and to make a difference. As well, don't forget to check out my website at lauragreenwestlake.com for blogs and other information about me, my books, and everything that's going on with this movement of brave women embracing their easier roles. Hey, I've enjoyed being with you. Be blessed and let me pray. Oh, Lord, I just pray for discernment and wisdom upon every ear that has listened to this podcast and those beyond. Equip us to be wise, wise serpents, uh, wise, wise servants, excuse me, in these interesting days. Bye for now.